What is the most amazing, spectacular thing you have ever seen? I want you to think about that for a moment. What is the most amazing, spectacular thing you have ever seen? Our kids might think of a video game or a 3D movie. I think sometimes of a storm, a lightning storm, or a tornado, or the northern lights. Remember being in Wisconsin and and looking up and seeing the northern lights flash across the sky. Probably the most startling event for me was when I first started dating Diane. I was driving down the highway in Kansas and looking in my rearview mirror and seeing a tornado coming. <laughs> and the, the amazing power and display. But sometimes it's something very small, like the birth of a baby. The first time you hold a son or daughter, you hold a child and you think, this is so incredible. This is so amazing. This is so spectacular. Or to look at the intricacies of a a flower or to look under a microscope. Something glorious. What is the most glorious thing? But I would say that if we took all of our experiences of what we've seen and what we've gone through and add them all together, it's but a, a spark in the face of the sun compared to the glory of God. And this is what we read about in Luke chapter 2. We read about glory to God in the highest. And it says earlier, when the shepherds are startled, in the very first part of of this experience, they stood before uh, the Lord and His great glory is displayed. And they marvel at that. The glory, it says in verse 9 of Luke 2, the glory of the Lord shone round about them. It's an amazing thing. It's a familiar Christmas story, and we probably read about the glory of the Lord and glory to God in the highest, and think of the angels and all of the singing in heaven and what is going on. But have you ever stopped to ponder the glory of the Lord? Because this is when God's glory comes to earth, and these shepherds view it. They see it. We use the word glory or to boast or to exalt in something. It comes from the original word is is doxa, and we get doxology. Probably if I were to start singing, that's a scary thought, I know. Um, If I were to start singing the doxology, praise God from whom all blessings flow, we all know the doxology. Well, that is uh, singing to the glory of God, recognizing the glory of God. Doxa, or the glory of God, is the sum total of all that He is. The sum total of all of God's attributes, all of the ways we would describe Him would be His glory. And you think about this, that's an overwhelming thought because When I asked you, what's the most amazing, spectacular thing you've ever seen? All of those things are are manifestations of what God has done or what God is doing or how God displays himself. But if you put all of those things together of who he is, it's overwhelming. And particularly for simple shepherds. We read about in in verse 8, it says, in the same region... There were some shepherds staying out in the fields and keeping the watch over their flock by night. Now, I imagine that's pretty quiet work. It's busy work. 
common people. It's amazing that God has chosen to show himself, display himself, communicate himself to just average people. For many in that area, that was their work. That's what they would do. They would take care of the sheep. And so they're out in a very quiet night, probably looking at the stars, doing their business, watching over their sheep. And it says that suddenly an angel stood before them and the glory of the Lord shone round about them. Now here you have these shepherds. (laughs) They probably haven't seen a lot of spectacular things. In that time and their lives. And this comes. If I could, in just a rapid fire succession, describe some of the attributes of God. In other words, what would you be overwhelmed with? First of all, that He is holy, He's transcendent, He's pure, He's spotless, He's without sin, without any flaw. He is set apart from everything else in life. God is holy, God is self existent. And eternal. He has no beginning or ending. He has no need. He doesn't depend upon anything to live. God is creator. He is sustainer of all things. He spoke the world into existence. He holds all things together by the word of his power. God is sovereign. He is the sovereign ruler of all the universe. He is omniscient. He knows everything. He is all wise. He is omnipresent. He is everywhere all at once. He is omnipotent. He has all power. In other words, you think of all of the power, all of the force, all of the energy in the world comes from God. He has all of that. And he is judge. He is final authority of all the earth. Now, if you're a shepherd and you're out there watching your sheep at night and that his glory all of a sudden is all around you, what would be your response? <laughs> well, I think for me it would be a holy dread. I would call it a holy dread. And that's exactly what we find these shepherds. It says they were terribly frightened or they were terrified. Now, that's not a positive, warm feeling. You think about this. If, if you say, you know, we really desire the presence of God. Oh, Lord, we want your presence. We want to be in your presence. Lord, we want you to reveal yourself to us. If God really reveals himself to us, it would it blow us away. And I would say a holy dread and a holy fear came upon them. You say, well, that's not really nice of God to scare these shepherds. Or it wouldn't be really nice of God to, to come into church and scare all of us with his glory. But I want you to see how this story transitions. God cannot be less than he is. He cannot be less than holy and all-powerful and all-wise and know everything and be everywhere at once. He can't be less than that. And so if we really do desire his presence, that's what we get. But notice what he says when, when this takes place. Our response, and I think immediately, is fear, a holy dread. And, and why is that? Why is it that we would be afraid of the presence and the glory of God? I think, first of all, we're vulnerable. We are vulnerable creatures. We're not self-existent. We're not eternal. We're not immortal. And when, when we face something we don't understand, we don't know, or we feel is a threat to our lives, we back away. We're afraid of that. 
We fear because we're vulnerable. We fear because we've sinned. We know we're guilty. We fear because we're dying. We see that every day. And we fear because we're defenseless. How would we... You know, I used to think when I'd go in on the beach and then growing up a lot, my dad being in the Navy, we'd be on the beach and I'd think, I'm going to go out there and ride that wave. Have you ever had a wave pick you up and throw you down and bury your head in the sand? You ever had that happen? I mean, you feel like, you know, I'm going to get up there and I'm going to really do my thing and all of a sudden it flips you up and just buries you in the sand. And that's a little wave. That's a little wave <laughs> on a little beach in a big ocean. We don't know, we don't understand the greatness of His power. If you go all the way to the end, you know, we're at the beginning in the gospel in this story here in Luke. You go all the way to Revelation, and it talks about describing Jesus as He comes. It says, the hairs of His head were white like wool, like snow. His eyes were like a flame of fire. His feet were like burnished bronze, refined in a furnace. And His voice was like the roar of many waters. In His right hand He held seven stars. From His mouth came a sharp two-edged sword, and His face was like the sun shining in full strength. Can you imagine that? Now, if you look in the sun shining at its full strength, what do you do? I mean, it blinds you, doesn't it? it? You turn away. And then it says, John says this when he writes Revelation. He said, when I saw him, when I saw him in his glory, I fell at his feet as though a dead man. I fell at his feet as dead. And here's what it says. But he laid his right hand on me, and he said, fear not. I am the first and the last. In other words, the alpha and the omega. So God blows you away with his amazing transcendent glory. The immediate response is fear and dread, and I want to run. And, and as soon as he knows that we feel that holy dread... He puts his hand on us, and this is the most oft-repeated command in all of the Bible. You'll find this command more than any other command in the Bible. Fear not. Do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. That is amazing. That is what Jesus is doing as he comes into our presence as a child. An author wrote this, Till God in human flesh I see, my thoughts no comfort find. The holy, just, and sacred three are terrors to my mind. But if Emmanuel's face appear, my hope, my joy begins. His name forbids my slavish fear. His grace removes my sins. So we see the glory of God. Like the shepherds, we see His glory come. Our response is absolute fear, panic, dread, I want to run. He puts his hand on us, and he says, fear not. Let me read to you again from verse 10, because I just love this passage. It says, but the angel said to them, after they've seen this glory surrounding them, and they're, they're afraid. In the old King James Version, it says, they were sore afraid. 